Hi, my name is Krisha. And I'm Sahana. Welcome to Enhanced Biotalks. Hi, I'm Krisha. I'm your host. I am a very studious person who loves biology and is more than happy to explain everything in biology, like every single thing. And I will introduce you to my co-host, uh, Sahana. Hi, Sahana. Hi. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So I love a lot of different topics, and biology is one of them. So I can state my points confidently when I want to, even though I might seem shy at first. Okay, so based on our introduction, you would have all gotten an idea of what the podcast is actually about. We have been thinking for so long, like since I think... <laughs> fif- forever. Yeah, since forever. Uh, but we just didn't have enough time to like record for the podcast. And we finally did, which is great because we did. We don't know if a lot of you guys know about the truth of evolution. So we're here to bring you the truth. San, I have a question for you. Do you know what the theory of evolution is? No, actually, I don't. But I do know what evolution is. It's when the characteristics of a species changes over several generations due to natural selection. Would you mind explaining what the theory of evolution is, though? I don't mind. Theory of evolution is the idea that all species are related and they gradually change over time. There are actually two different theories of evolution. One which is proposed by Charles Darwin and the other one, I'm not really sure. I think it's by J.B. Lamarck. I think so too, yeah. Yeah, Darwin's theory of evolution consists of four different principles. Um, and all of these four different principles are necessary so evolution can occur. Because if evolution does not occur, then there's no variation, there's no diversity in our population. And there's that means that there's no change in like genetically inheritable traits in like future generations. In those, the four different principles include, first, which is variation, two, which is inheritance of genetic traits, three, which is increase in birth of offspring, and four, the last one, which is survival of the fittest. Another major part of evolution I can think of right now is that it is an individual's ability to be fit or their ability to adapt to certain situations is very important because a road keeps advancing in like different areas, like in terms of like habitat or like the way things are like technologies. So like the, the individual needs to be able to adapt to that certain situation like over time. If they cannot, then they're not going to be able yeah. to live. So that was Darwin's theory of, theory of evolution. I'm not sure about J.B. Lamarck's though. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I can explain J.B. Lamarck's theory. So J.B. Lamarck actually suggested two different principles for his theory of evolution. One of them was the principle of disuse, which he meant was when an organism or an animal uses one part of their body multiple times, then that part of their body becomes stronger and larger over generations, while those that were not became weaker and smaller. Which makes sense, because when you, like, it's kind of like a skill. When you keep practicing a skill, it becomes stronger. But when you don't, then you just forget about the skill, or, you know, you just don't memorize it as much. And the other part of J.B. Lamarck's theory suggests that Traits that are acquired during a person's lifetime or an organism's lifetime actually can pass on to their offspring. And this was actually a major part of the evolutionary study because people at the time didn't really understand that concept, but he predicted already from the start that organisms have to change in order to better adapt to their environment. This is making me wonder, and I think it's also making you guys wonder, which of the two theories of evolution is actually correct? 
because both of those theories have their own supporting details like each one of ha- each one of them has their own supporting details that make us want to believe each one of them as like the theory of evolution but then at the same time we're not really sure which one is correct so in that case i think we should keep learning and investigating evolution because we don't really have like the basic knowledge like established in our mind yet like which one's actually correct so i think we should what about you sara do you think we should i agree we actually should cuz I mean the world's constantly changing, right? So that means we should continue to study evolution because evolution must be changing as well. Like in Darwin's time, he came up with this theory, but it's been a century or more now. So yeah. the world must have changed by then, right? So yeah, I really think we should continue to study evolution because of the advances that are happening in the world right now. These advances that are happening in the world today affect the way we humans perceive changes in medicine. global climate change agriculture and even other factors that impact or are connected to evolution itself um sana what are some of the general reasons why we should still continue to learn and investigate evolution well i think one of them would be that we're very curious people so we might want to know how evolution impacts the world around us yeah that's and true on top of that we also have limited knowledge on evolution even mm-hmm. though it might seem like we have a lot we actually don't cuz the world is very vast and it's constantly changing so we yeah. c- we can't always gather every single information that we need to study evolution and another major reason why we continue to study evolution is because it it's like a fundamental unit of life so we really need it to study for medicine and other factors like that one of the main reasons though is that it contributes profoundly to the field of medicine Evolutionary biology is a constantly evolving field that helps with the study of medicine. It is used to treat and diagnose diseases through certain technologies such as MRI machines, CT scan machines, and X-rays. It supports principles that help understand the traits that link with these certain diseases in terms of the sex of an individual and how evolution influences the way we humans use antibiotics to control diseases and even practice dieting. Yeah, adding on to what you said, Krisha, about evolutionary principles, that reminds me that me- medical practitioners also use them to understand the root cause of certain diseases. I know that one of the principles states that selection occurs to sustain and maximize the fitness of an individual, rather than to promote long life and health. Um, I'm not really sure about the other principle, though. Um, I know the second principle. It states that there is an increased susceptibility to certain diseases. that increases than the increase in caused diseases in history of species which is kind of cool true it is oh wait that reminds me there's a third principle of evolutionary medicine as well um the third theory explains how humans evolved due to usually drastic changes in their environment for instance maybe like you maybe someone has to apply these evolutionary thinking and key knowledge to find out how pathogen transmission traits can be shaped through due to genetic or environmental factors which can be used to form more sustainable solutions which includes sustainable insecticide and antimicrobial resistant mitigation strategies these are really important parts of medicine and by using these evolutionary theories we can use them to design and determine the transmission risk of vector borne diseases that is so cool 
But Sana, did you know that actually the principles of evolutionary medicine are not the only things that help us make changes in medicine? It is even the technologies that we were able to develop due to evolution. Really? Yeah. They help us discover the origin of the pandemic viruses and help us research cancer treatment and even understand the susceptibility to specific diseases for certain individuals in terms of the sex of an individual. For example, for us women, it's breast cancer or mm-hmm. for men, it's like different uh, health consequences in terms of the different environmental factors. Wow, I actually didn't know that much about technology. Wait, so does that mean that neuroimaging techniques and life prolongation technologies will also fall under that evolution? Yes, they would. Oh, okay. I thought they would because the te- these technologies alter an individual's body to respond to various environments in different ways by affecting a certain cell's function in the body. So I thought that would connect to evolution. So it's good to know that makes sense. Um, the ever-changing world of technology and medicine is also impacting the evolution of humans then, right? Yes, it is. And based on what you said about how it affects a certain cell's functions in the body, it reminds me that two years ago, like when I sprained my left ankle and it just wouldn't get better till like two full weeks, I decided to get it checked by the doctor. The doctor advised me to do an x-ray, which I did. And during the x-ray, the imaging technician told me to put on this vest. Wait, wait, a vest? Is that kind of like a life jacket or something? Yeah, we can say so. It was a vest that blocked the high electromagnetic radiation from the machine, allowing a production of the image of my left ankle only, so no damage would be done to the other cells in my body. Not only that, the imaging technician even told me to look away because she said that the high electromagnetic radiation can lead to negative effects on the lens of my eyes. Whoa. Yeah, and these advances made me feel safe while getting my x-ray done. Yeah, I'm glad you're feeling safe now, and you're okay too. Yeah, I'm okay now. But I was thinking, would societal expectations for individuals' health affect the contributions to advances in evolutionary medicine as well? Yeah, they would for sure, right? Since society continues to create expectations for an individual's health, like social norms and social pressures, people tend to change certain factors in their life and even themselves to better adapt to these social pressures. Some of these expectations tend to be positive, while others tend to be negative, and both can severely affect a person. For instance, the healthier our diet is and social structure is, the better we are able to adapt to our environments, as there is a higher chance of life expectancy, reproductive success, and increased offspring with improved adaptability traits. But in contrast, if someone like starves themselves and doesn't eat food, that's not good for their health and they won't be they won't have the energy or the ability to better adapt to their situations around them. Talking about adapting to the environment around an individual reminds me that global climate change also affects the negative changes happening in evolutionary medicine, such as increased infectious disease transmission. Mm-hmm. And understanding of the mechanisms connected with socio-ecological systems that contribute to disease transmission. That's true, yeah. And as the world continuously adapts to these ever-changing environmental consequences, like severe storms, increase in temperature, and many more dangerous events, it just, the habitat of species gets affected in usually a negative way, you know? And in terms of availability of food, shelter, and decreases in reproduction, and even the population of species. What you said about how the habitat of a species gets affected in negative ways reminds me that as an individual who has been living in a certain environment where they have already adapted to, they will have a hard time adapting to a different environment because of the surroundings of that environment. 
For example, if an individual was living like in an environment with uh, access to high glycemic foods and were put into an environment where there was no access to food at all, their immune system would decrease, causing them to be more susceptible to diabetes, mellitus type 2, or any other health-related problems. Also, another cool thing is that species evolve to adapt to the certain tasks they perform in that environment, which is linking to J.B. Luckmark's second principle. Like, if a child is brought up to reading a book at a certain distance, it will cause the development of myopia, which is short-sightedness, where the eyeball grows in its sagittal direction, adapting to the certain tasks performed for so long. That makes sense, and wow, that's actually really interesting. I didn't know much of what you said before, but thanks for sharing it with us. Yeah, I thought it was kind of cool, so I thought of sharing it with you guys. Aw, that's nice. Also, that reminds me, we talked about global climate change earlier in this podcast as well, right? So let's yeah. continue on from there. Um, so the cycle of evolution is actually drastically impacted by global climate change in multiple different ways. Like the diversity and distribution of species is changes due to mechanisms known as bot- the bottleneck effect or genetic drift which alters the mating of species in a population because of natural disasters and other factors, which causes the species to split up into different areas and groups in this particular location. And not only that, but other factors such as increased or decreased temperature and precipitation lead to negative effects as well. Global climate change and processes of evolution, such as natural selection. Wait, for those of you who do not know, natural selection is a biological change based on the reproductive success of individuals within a species due to either the individual's adaptive fitness or the in- to the environment and etc., which is related to survival of the fittest. Genetic drift, which is a random shifting of the genetic traits due to natural or unnatural causes that are later passed on. Oh, and by the way, the larger the population, the smaller the effects, and the smaller the population, the larger the effects genetic drift has on them. Gene mutation, which is the occurrence in a germ cell or sex cell that alters DNA of the gamete, which can be passed on to future generations. And assortative mating, which is mating where an individual favors any trait that specifically enhances the mating success of the individual. All of these things listed above affect the agriculture sector drastically as it changes the long-term productivity, resilience, and sustainability of the crops or livestock. Yeah, adding on to what Krisha said, that it changes the long-term productivity as evolution causes changes like decreased temperatures or precipitation, which affects the crop's ability to effectively reproduce, passing on their traits to their offspring, etc. This also alters the crop's or livestock's resilience to changing factors in the environment because it affects their sustainability over time. Though we're focusing on how agriculture is affected by evolution, we know that in many ways the agriculture sector affects the evolving world we live in and know today. Some ways include food production and animal extinction. This can also greatly impact the future of diversity and distribution of species, since agriculture connects to one of the ways diversity within species occurs, availability and food practices. Note that four of the factors that determine diversity include climate change, habitat quantity and quality, which environmental conditions and natural disasters fall under, availability of food, and relationships with other species. Without any of these factors, there would be no variation within our ecosystem. And without variation, no, no, no natural selection can occur for evolution. For instance, if there is an increase in predatory population than the prey can adapt to, the prey would eventually go extinct in that environment, causing our food chain to be disrupted.
True, that's a really scary thought, though. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Another example of that I can think of right now of why variation is really important is because climate change reduces the amount of different plant species, disrupting our food availability, which is needed for other living species, such as us, <laughs> as each species has its own adaptability levels and preferred environmental conditions in order to be able to grow and reproduce successfully. And on top of that, an example of this could be a cactus that lives in the desert. It wouldn't be able to adapt as quickly if it were in the ocean. And since it does not have the traits or abilities necessary for survival in that specific environment, the plant would eventually go extinct or die like right away. To sum up, evolution should be continued to be learned and investigated because of the negative consequences associated or can be associated with medicine, agriculture, and climate change. Mm-hmm. Also, since humans are constantly changing to adapt to the various situations in our environment, it is crucial that we educate ourselves yeah. on the topic of evolution by doing extensive research to gather updated information on evolution. Yeah, we really should. That's true. Okay, I think we talked a lot for our first episode of this podcast, but I hope you all enjoyed this informational fun talk about the fact that learning and investigating evolution should be continued. Because we enjoyed it. Now, bye. We'll see you next Friday at 8.30 p.m. with a fun and interesting topic. So stay tuned for that. And one more thing, there's a surprise for you all next week. So see you. It is most probably going to be a guest speaker. So bye for now. now.